0: Welcome to Marketproof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at duconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak.
1: We're here, such a lively
0: episode
1: <laughs> 35 with Julie.
0: This is just Hello. how I feel right now. That's how you feel. Yeah. It's 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 uh you can't stop. You can't, you can't stop, stop this market, no matter what you try. Right now, you try to lower the leads, you spend less money, keeps going, just keeps rolling along. And you know, it's the organic growth. Uh, we've we've never shared this chart publicly, but we we split out all of the aggregate data that we've posted from time to time on LinkedIn and in the Facebook group and other places. We do split it out by source, and y- you can see that the the paid spend is going down, 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 but the organic just keeps going up at at almost the same rate that everything else is going down. And the the conversion rate on organic traffic is just too high to it's, to, it's, to have a meaningful impact.
1: It's crazy. I was looking at some analytics of yeah, conversion data like December versus January, like 30-day periods and some builders I'm like they have twice as many leads right now. I'm like what? Like this is crazy and the conversion rate is up like from you know say 2% to like 2.8, 2.9 whatever. Like this is insane. I'm like that's a, a lot of people that you do now have to deal with. No,
2: I, I okay. don't know how many times I've seen that chart, but every time you pull it up, it's like, <gasps> it's yeah. surprising it every time I see it. It keeps, yeah, it keeps going up.
0: I know. Yeah, it, it is surprising. And it, the only reason I think that it's not going higher is because of availability, generally mm-hmm. being so far out. Uh, you know, it was It was surprising, equally surprising when builders first started saying, your closing date will be in 2022 if you buy now, but pretty darn soon, we're going to be talking about 2023. That's just in insane. some cases. And actually, some builders already are the ones who, you know, we've talked about have pre sold an entire phase of 100 home sites. Those final homes aren't getting delivered till 2023, most likely.
1: That's crazy. Uh, I wonder how like the financing will work on that. Like you, you pre qualify now in February 2021. That's like just thinking about like, a completely new set of taxes like whole new two-year window all this stuff you could have a different job you could have two different jobs yeah you are and like
2: what's your house worth if, you're, if you haven't sold your house yet who knows interest what rates house is like, like yeah mm. oh my
0: the job point is a really interesting one Andrew because you can't predict if you're gonna have no. an amazing offer come in but you've got a home that you've signed a contract on but financing is not locked for a long time to come
1: yeah can I have a two-year lock on our interest rate <laughs>
0: Yeah. Of course, most jobs might not. Well, yeah, that's just, wow. Hmm. Yeah. So much to navigate, but you just can't stop this market. So I just wanted to celebrate with a little fun, uh, fun entry oh, because a lot of times we're talking about opportunities to improve and make better, but sometimes you do just have to celebrate the little thing. So on to too many sound effects now on to story time. <laughs> and Julie, will let you kick us off.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, mine's just a lighthearted one, but have either of you watched Emily in Paris on Netflix?
1: No. I'm, s-
2: I'm guessing not because you're probably not the demographic. I, start, I'm not I started even really Godless
1: a couple
0: yeah. days ago. Well, hold on. First, we have to have fun. With Who is the demographic? Let's, let's put people in polls here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Define what you believe the target demographic of yeah, Emily in Paris is. Yeah, I would is.
2: say women younger than me. I'd say millennial women would probably be the target
1: Uh, like the lead actress it looks like she's in her
2: 20s and her boss gets pregnant so she has to take the job in Paris to be like the American voice but Uh she's a marketer it's a marketing firm it's like a fancy marketing firm Hmm. so anyway just like um you know if a nurse or doctor watches Grey's Anatomy and like cringes at all the stuff they (laughs) they do that you're like what it's very um eye roll because, like, she's the one that comes in and saves the day with her great social media idea, her publicity stuff that's going to save the, design, the Paris designer. <laughs> so it's a lot of eye rolling. So it was just funny to watch, but I say that and how annoying it was, and how annoying it. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I watched. So for,
0: for for the season finale, does she save the company with a with a clubhouse room uh, event? <laughs>
2: What so, I'm trying so to think of. <laughs> yeah, hers was a fashion show with a, um, anyway, it's a whole thing. So if you want to roll your eyes at her becoming an influencer by posting some selfies in Paris and saving the marketing firm and her boss always saying they wanted to keep the brand mysterious and her convincing them otherwise. It's fun to oh, watch if you have there might be some time on your in hands. That <laughs> <laughs> no, no awesome, lessons. actually. Don't take any lessons from it. But if you want to watch <laughs> it to not get lessons, watch it.
0: <laughs> That's exactly oh, what? what I need. I, I can't watch The Profit anymore because after visiting mm. builders on site for almost six years now, too many of those stories have happened. You would be surprised how many home building companies... Well, yeah, if I shouldn't go down that road. You're just the things that happen outside of the normal business office setting, and some of the place discussions—it's too traumatic to watch the Profit because I feel like it's—it's it's a different person going through some of my own experiences. But this I could, you know, just kind of have fun with. Yeah. There you go. Add All right, Andrew, list. what do you got?
1: Oh, I got this one. This is fun. So this is really interesting. I wish I was an influencer. So <laughs> a few weeks ago, what was it? We went on our 10-year anniversary trip to the Dominican. We stayed at this great place. It was amazing. We put some pictures up. We didn't like, and and my perspective, we did not like smother the internet on our accounts with like every single thing we were doing, but it was maybe like three or four stories per day. I don't even think there was a post, like an official one that goes on my feed permanently. So it's kind of, it's gone forever. But from posting that, and then just people we know in our circles down here, there are four other people going to the same place. One is a group of sixteen.
3: I'm like, oh, wow. What
1: in the world? And so but it got me thinking back to like, well, what was the catalyst that these people are spending a fair amount of money? It wasn't us. Like, I mean, we might have helped a little bit, but what it made me think was so this the company that we went to, the resort we went to, they just recently changed their photos on their site. They've been doing more content, but when we booked with them, we pretty much use Instagram. It was just like when we we're building We use Instagram to find like, oh, that looks awesome. That looks awesome. We want to have that. We want to do that experience, all these sorts of things. None of these pictures were on the site. And then there's a private Facebook group for (laughs) this resort. They're like, who stayed in this room? (laughs) They have pictures of this room number because each room is is like unique in itself. And they're like, yeah, I stayed in that room. Here's all the pictures. So to me, I was like, oh, maybe like this is a lot of referrals. But imagine if they had much more content, like they had 3D, like the Matterports of every room. Like all these other things that let you see what pictures I was posting or what Lindsay was posting that shared our experience there. And it made me think like, would they have more sales, more bookings, if they just did what we were doing on their own and they'd have more control over it? Yeah. I don't, there's no story. There's no like lesson
0: on that, but it made me think, oh. Well, it's a good reminder that that marketing is all of that. It's mm-hmm. not just ads. It's not just any one thing. It's it's trying to figure out what does the consumer need to inform themselves, to educate themselves, to get emotionally excited and attached and, and invested and then kind of make that connection to however the sale is transacted. But that is part of marketing. Yep. Yeah. To, to yeah. think through those things. The exactly.
1: empathy of what will people want to know. And like with this one, there's all these little quirks like, You get there, they try to upgrade your room, but like people, so there's like hundreds of questions in this Facebook group (laughs) around like, when should we call and upgrade our room? So then everyone's like, well, if you call like a week before, so they're just flooded with all this like false information online about how to actually work with this place versus the company putting out, here's the best way to do this. Yeah, it's just, it's just really interesting how much control like other than the company has on like that, that process and done.
0: I I don't don't do this as much yet, but it's it's been shocking to me how many times my wife will go to Instagram now to look up information on an organization. And almost again, precisely because it's not on their site. Mm -hmm. And whether that's because they're working with an outside group who's posting and they don't really even know what it is or where it came from. or It's just, it it is strange. Like we talked about with ThermaTru.
1: We always underestimate how much content people want. Julie, did you say that or was that? Jackie, like a couple weeks ago, like there's not, there's no end, or maybe Sarah, I, I can't keep my, my brain straight. There's no limit to how much content you could put out there. And yeah. that's why Instagram, you could like look at the location for wherever you're going to. And there could be hundreds of pictures and you go through all of them because you're, you're excited. You're, you're invested.
0: Well, there's no doubt that people want content and you know what else people want, Andrew? This is Storytime number one for
1: me. Less, less leads.
0: They want less human interaction <laughs> with people who can help answer their questions. Uh, yeah. So this is, this is a little play. On. I'm not even going to tell you what I'm referring to because I think people know where I stand. But I just pretend that you live in 1981 and okay. you get a sales rep who reaches out to you and says, Hey, we all know people like an instant response. And, you know, your receptionist, sometimes she doesn't answer the phone. She's busy. She's taking a lunch break. So let's get you a receptionist that, that never tires, answers every single call. Your answer rate will be 100%. Plus, using touch-tone technology, you can serve your customers precisely the information they need when they need it. You're putting them in control. If they need to talk to someone in sales, they can press 1. And if they want to talk to someone in warranty, they can press two. Your customers are gonna love it. And in fact, you don't even have to stop with one and two. You could have a phone tree within a phone tree, within a phone tree that circles back to the initial menu option. And it kind of turns into a full-on choose your own adventure role-playing game. If you want to, you know, I mean, that it's kind of like artificial intelligence. We can predict what they want and it's loop amazing. them back to where they go. I think, exactly, I think that's exactly I think it's exactly what phone tree <laughs> sales reps would have. Said or that kind of conversation. And I posted this on LinkedIn. So it's just an initial riff off of that. But my question is how did that go? D- did marketers take phone trees to levels that they were never really intended to do, to, to go to in the first place? Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, I really love myself a good phone tree. I feel very heard and and educated and informed whenever I, I get one. I, I think more than likely we kind of <laughs> silently say, a Thank the Lord to ourselves when there is an option to just press zero and talk to a real person. And then (laughs) they answer. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when it's something you care about. So there's things, I mean, sure. Ordering a pizza, something that is purely transactional, something that you, you buy regularly or have little value in. But I think one of the easy examples here is a doctor's office. You know, if you're trying to get an update from a physician, or call a specialist, or check on your test results, you want a real person who can help you. Anything that's yep. com- complicated, or you I'd don't even so. know what to ask.
1: Yeah, I, I would say so. It's, I, I think the worst one is, we bank with a southern bank down this way, and the local office is right across the street. I'm like, I want to call that office. You can't call the office, unless mm-hmm. you have like the business card of like the manager, and then goes to his desk. But you go online, you pick up the number, it's a local number, but it's not really a local number. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like this. Yeah. And you have to go through this thing for your balance. I'm like, who looks at their balance with the phone number? No, you do that on your phone or something. But it's, oh gosh, yeah, it's it's awful. Or imagine building a home and you're trying to talk to someone and then you get the phone tree.
0: Yeah, I was I was doing my normal between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern 15 to 20 minute dose of Twitter and um someone I don't even I don't know who this person is, so I feel bad. JTE Elms. I don't know if JTE is their first name. I'm guessing it's an acronym for something. Uh Bio says ordinary American who reads and writes books and posts about money, property, shelter, home buying, real estate, personal finance. Well, I was talking about how not phone trees, but something else that people are trying to sell a lot using AI and how it's going to make an amazing customer experience. And she went off and was like, Don't get me started. And I said, No, please get started. And she wrote like a 10 tweet storm with nice. amazing insights, like uh, things that we know. But just I, I said, Thank you so much for just putting a couple things a little bit clearer. Like her point is whether it's a Phone Tree or we'll, we'll pop the bubble, an AI chatbot, it's all about intake. And when a customer has an actual problem, she's, you know, her point was people it's one thing to say, please, what's your first name? What's your last name? What is your email address? Like taking that transaction information. But her point was that customers don't know the options or terminology. Sometimes they don't even know the question they have. And so then you're only allowing them to interact with the things that you pre-program it as an option. Um, She goes off about meaning and how there's so much more to, to what someone is saying than the actual characters they're typing in. Um, she
1: did go off. Man, I mean, she, yeah. she,
0: yeah, she, she, but it's so many great points in there that I think I'm gonna have to turn that into another blog post because it's her words, not mine, but she's, she's right on the money. Anyway, that, that's number one. Number two, some people were talking about right and wrong opportunities when it comes to VIP lists slash wait lists, priority lists, whatever those, I, I feel like that was the other reason for the music at the top of the show is that's kind of the world we're in. I would say a good 70 to 80% of the builders we work with right now have implemented some form of wait list, priority list piece. And so people are talking about right and wrong. And, and I just wanted to put in context that at the end of the day, we we're, we're just have to figure out what is a culture it is that you're trying to protect? Uh, what, what downside risk are you trying to, to minimize? And you have to decide if it's, is it profitability? Like we're just protecting how much money we make per home. There's one tactic for that. Is it, we're trying to preserve home site availability so we still will have something to sell in September, which that also kind of goes into f- the financial end because you're probably going to be able to sell it for more in June at the r- rate things are going than you could right now. Are you trying to preserve the best possible customer experience? Um, you know, what? what is it that you're trying to protect and and then reverse engineer from there? There's no wrong answer other than to treat customers terribly. And not communicate, and yeah, you know, generally be a jerk. That's that's a wrong. But otherwise, you just got to figure out what's important to you and reverse engineer that. And that's, I, I think I, I think you guys both will agree. Every conversation we've had for about the last three weeks has been some form of that. Right now, what do we do? How do we do it? I, what do we do? I, I don't think I talked about this on the podcast. Ooh. So this should be story time number three. I'll, I promise I like I'm it. get fast because we got a lot to do, but. 7 30 this morning or on monday morning of this week i get an email that's just all caps help from a vp of sales and uh just with her help and her number so i called her up and she's sitting down with her owner (laughs) and i believe i've got this number correct they they accidentally and i'm saying that sarcastically they accidentally sold an extra 100 homes in the last day of the month and this is a a builder that's only in two markets
1: a single day like a weekend, whatever, two a, days, one or two um, days. Yeah, my uh-huh. understanding
0: is they had a normal month of sales. They sent out an, an alert that prices were going to go up by at the end of the month. So if you didn't purchase, there would be a price increase. I don't know the specifics of in that, but but they they had the mad rush, and so it was. Now we have no choice. We have to limit and slow down sales because that in that two day period it represents one tenth of what they sold last year for the entire year. That is crazy. That is. Now, of course, this is Texas, so Texas does what Texas does, especially Texas right does. now. But, man, what a, yeah, a
1: ride! I'd say they have to get that rolling, get the wait list process.
0: But that's what we, we had to talk oh, through those things. And they were like, absolutely, the only thing we care about is profitability. I mean, customer experience to the, to the extent that we can, but that's the thing we really want to manage. Uh, Maybe the other be one a, that I didn't mention was uh, just getting people yeah. out of the market. That's a questionable one. Uh, we could go back and forth on whether you truly do get them out of the market or not when you reserve something too far in advance. But
1: I, I want to see which builder first, and maybe maybe I just have missed it. Instead of calling it a wait list, which is kind of like, eh, I have to wait. <laughs> there should be like a like a spin on it to make it like this is the better way to buy. Like it's more controlled. The outcomes better. We can control production. We could do all these things that streamline a better home for you versus just chaos that the other builders have, we do it this way. And mm-hmm. that's, it's, I don't just, it's the same thing, but just call it something different. And, and then it's, per, it could be perceived much differently versus like, Oh, you're on the wait list. Sorry guys. Um,
0: yeah. I think that's, that, that, that's a but. perfect example of what the struggle is right now mm-hmm. though, because you almost, You don't want to come off negative, but you do Mm -hmm. want to find a way to disincentivize someone from reaching out who, and my silly example was right now in a normal market, we might be fine with this type of scenario, but right now let's pretend that meeting with your sales rep was like meeting with the genius at the genius bar at Apple, at the Apple store. If someone calls up and says, I would like to make a, a reservation with the genius bar to figure out what type of case I should get for my phone. That's not the best use of anyone's time. And so right mm-hmm. now we don't need it. I almost mentioned this on a call earlier and I, I think I chickened out. Normally <laughs> we talk about having two different calls to action on every page. On, in addition to the boots and suspenders, you know, face in the corner, you might not want to have the ask a question call to action right now, simply because you don't, that, that contract you're creating with the customer, as soon as they become a lead and the experience that they're expecting, maybe you only want to have those conversations with people who say, I'm ready to take the next step. And you probably want to qualify what your current timeframe is for building too. That's what's interesting, Andrew, is is you make a positive spin and it's like, Oh, that builder has the wait list. This builder has something that sounds happy and good. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the builders, most builders are still having the challenge right now of, I I couldn't sell them all anyway. And so in either way, I'm setting someone up for a um, less than ideal ultimate result Mm -hmm. in the customer's mind. The other way we were talking about earlier was, you know, online salespeople feeling like they're having to say no to customers. Online salespeople aren't actually saying no. Like, no, you can't ask me a question. No, I won't tell you the answer. No, you can't meet with people in a lot of cases they're just, the customer's hearing no because they're calling did you have anything available right now? No. Okay, great. But if I start the process now, could I be in by July? Probably not. You know, so, so they're, they're not saying no just to, you know, because they're overwhelmed. No, 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 no. But that's essentially what the customer's hearing a lot of times. Yeah, I can see that. The other one was today came up, was talking to people who have previously become a lead, trying to give the online salespeople some some relief by sending out a mass email. But in today's environment, does, does that mass email saying we're severely limited by opportunity in some form or fashion, or here's what's going on. Does that create more urgency Do, do then more people call? Yeah.
2: That sounds like a great subject line. <laughs> we get lots of open.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that, and, and so that's where it's like, it's, it continues to be this topsy turvy world of, we, we really have to slow down and think about in a normal in a, in a normal market you send that email and it is like deflating and no one responds but but right now it probably does the opposite it's just
1: it's strange yeah. they're like ooh i better call now i was uh-huh. going to do it tomorrow but like if i do it now i might get lucky and like maybe we'll be in this year
0: yeah yeah all right moving on to the news the first up from uh com. Homefinity and beyond home builder website and marketing benchmarks. We're going to just talk about the home builder benchmarks here, uh, for now, but you can't check out marketing statistics from their end. I feel like, uh, our ego would compel us to want to compare marketing metrics. So we're not going to, <laughs> but we're, it, yeah, we, we don't, we don't really put that out there as averages just because. I don't know why. Why don't we do that, Andrew? Well, I don't know. I'm I, talking I, to myself. I, I mean, we don't because I don't I'll allow say. us to, but Andrew's always like, oh my gosh, we're doing well, amazing.
1: They're saying, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I think we're all, we're definitely humble, but there's also, in my mind, I get objective and I'm like, this is f- working for this builder because of these things. Every builder's unique. Like, it's builder to builder. This builder's CTR has nothing to do with this builder's CTR. Right. On say Google Ads or the CPC, yeah. like it's all there's so many influences and that's like it matters, but it doesn't matter. It I'm matters gonna, with. I'm going to
0: start stuff. calling those conference metrics, Andrew. The, the conference metrics, yeah. the metrics you bring out at the at the lunch break or when you're waiting yeah. for the next oh, session to start. Oh, what's your CTR? What's, what's your cost? Thirty percent.
1: Your, yeah. Like how'd you get thirty percent? Well, we bid on one word. Yeah, like you could you could influence it. Also, I know we could like if we want fifty percent click through rates, we could make that happen. But then mm-hmm. what happens to the click volume and impressions? Like then it goes to nothing. So it's if yeah. it yeah. Could all be influenced to look. And none of
0: this is disparaging at all on O'Neill or anyone <laughs> yeah. else. Publishing those metrics all. is just I I don't I try to shy away from that. But when it comes to what the users are actually doing on the websites themselves,
1: this seems real.
0: This is very interesting because yeah, I mean certainly how the websites are set up can can go into that, no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, and O'Neill, you know, in our in our opinion, builds builds some of the best around. But compared to 2020, compared to 2019, a 36% increase in the session count. Andrew, quick definition of session count. Session.
1: If Andrew is a user, I'm going to McDonald's to buy a double cheeseburger with mayonnaise. Is that, a, that sounds gross, Ew. but that's a thing. Well, bet one of my good <laughs> friends should do
0: that. Mayonnaise but with ketchup. Now we're talking Wendy's with hamburgers, oh, so that's, that's normal. Good.
1: That's good. Each time I go to McDonald's or Wendy's during a set time period, that is a session. Andrew's the user. Andrew can have 10 sessions per day, 50 sessions per week, whatever it may be. So I think sessions is actually the visit. The user is the person. And then your date range and your reporting will dictate all of those, how that interacts together. Hopefully that's technical enough, but not super complicated. It's just yeah. when they open the door and start looking at things, but each person is, is unique.
0: Yeah, and that, that's the average for the entire year as I'm reading this article. So certainly the peak um, by some of the data that that we have access to is closer to a 100% increase in user count. But yeah, again, those don't necessarily directly correlate. But I'm guessing that some of these numbers might not be as high as if you're listening, you're like, well, that doesn't seem, this is for the entire year, pre-COVID. And even in this uh, Q4, kind of, I think, of 2020 is a little bit of what we're likely to see as people start selling out. Just kind of the natural slow decline to the end of the year, but an 8.4% increase in session duration. So the amount of time that people are spending on the site, which is interesting in in combination with the other metric of 38% increase in mobile visits as a as so getting more mobile visits and a higher time on, on site or session duration together. That's the, that's the more rare activity that's happening. And then a 93% increase in events. That's events, not like, Facebook events or having events or virtual events, but events being tracked on the site. So, and in their mind, I think, Andrew, they're talking about that as form completions, uh, click to call, click to text. Thinking about
1: how they do things, yeah. So like a page view is technically event, but that's excluded from this. This would be like if you're tracking image views and, and any interaction on the site. So that's pretty, that's interesting. I feel like you could look at this and have a picture of like, people are on the builder's websites more often. They're checking them more frequently from their phone and they're just on there all the time and that's why session duration isn't necessarily up the same amount but they're just on there like maybe they're checking like oh they're they're going to release home sites or is there something new i need to know i don't want to miss out on something
0: yep and all this leads into you know the overall conversion rate on builder sites uh we call these corona metrics but Traditionally, 1% was kind of the average benchmark of if you're below 1%, there's something that needs to be improved on the site itself or the site itself needs to be improved. And that's a combination of form completions, text messages, chats, all, all things that are leading to leads in the CRM system uh, from the site. And, and one5 and was like amazing. 2% was like top 1% to 2% in the world in terms of new home builders. More often than not right now, a one and a half to 2% conversion is kind of the normal because of the urgency of the consumer and and what's going on in the marketplace right now. The other metric here that I thought was interesting was that overall bounce rates have dropped to 60% or lower. And again, that number is going to translate differently to everyone. But, But generally speaking, since we don't work with every builder, Most builders, when we start working with them, Andrew, historically have a, have an average bounce rate much higher than that. When they're running ads, Mm -hmm. let's just nice to say the wrong way or the less efficient way. So, so that's, that's encouraging to hear that even, even people that were.
1: Yeah. It, it seems like this continues that, that the story I was making up on, on people shopping, like people view a new home. I think like say they get an ad. Maybe two years ago, they're like, yeah, look, this is pretty. I'll, I'll look at it and just bounce. But now they're like, oh, this could be our home. Like We have all this equity in our house. We could sell it and, and move. Everyone else is moving. Maybe we should do that too.
2: It'll be interesting to see where all these numbers though go because demand's still yeah. up, but there's less to put on your website. You have no inventory homes. You have uh-huh. fewer communities. You have, so what does that look like in the number when demand is high, but you have less on there for people. To yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. We were, we talked today with someone that you really have to make sure everyone in your company understands the difference between traffic and leads. And that sounds silly to, to probably everyone listening to the podcast, but for all the people in your company who don't listen to this podcast, make sure they, they understand that you can still have, there's still value of people going to your website right now, educating themselves, becoming aware of your offering and not pushing the button until they're ready, not becoming a lead. But you have to do things as a marketer to help that to your point, Julie, like, again, I don't think it's crazy right now for many builders to consider right on the first line of your community page saying, what is your current build time? If you, if you bought right now this month, when would be the estimated season of completion? Even having a checkbox that says, like, I understand there are no move-in ready homes available. <laughs> I mean, just, just crazy stuff. But we want, we want to allow the traffic to continue for people to educate themselves and become more invested in your brand than another or your offering than another. But there's just too many people who are kind of sort of interested right now that it's overwhelming and, and mucking up the entire system.
1: Yep. And what I hope happens is a lot of these cool things like that stay on permanently. Like the the build time thing, that seems like something you would like. And a year from now, like how do we not have that on there before? Like mm-hmm. why are we not being transparent on not transparent? That seems like it's being dishonest. But I just mean like, if you're going to build a car, I don't know if te- does Tesla give you estimated like, just up upfront. This will take two months to deliver to you. I have no idea. But like Amazon, like you buy it. When are we going to get this? It doesn't have to be perfect, but like it'd be interesting if that stays
0: yeah. permanent. Yeah. Or if it somehow becomes more easily updatable by yeah. by everyone. Mm-hmm. I think the other interesting conversation that we've had internally is as we've lowered bids on search terms. So because of the total amount of people searching and the total number of ads that could be shown for new homes in blank, you know, as we keep cranking down those bids. I think was it Becca, Becca and Bryce today were both like, mm-hmm. I'm getting down to you know in some markets where the where the demand is at high thirties and forties, yeah. cost per click.
1: It's like two thousand and that's like nine. That's social
0: spend right there, and 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 that's for someone crazy. who we know what they're typing in and theoretically we know what they're looking for, and so while that's good, it makes it more efficient. Wow, I can get. More clicks for less money. <laughs> yeah, not, we don't need that right now. Someone somewhere is saying, please make it stop. <laughs> turn it off. Turn it off. But really good article there from the folks at O'Neill. Lots more data than we have time to go through, especially since you can't see it as we're talking about it. So we'll move on to an article from theAtlantic.com. Superstar cities are in trouble. File this under um, maybe sort of, but it's just an interesting. It's an interesting discussion. Uh, the, the main point of the article. Um, uh, Julie, do you have a chance to flip through it? You mm-hmm. want to just do a quick summary of
2: Yeah, basically it's just talking about how Zillow searches are going crazy. Uh, my favorite term was Zillow tourism of people <laughs> in these big cities on especially the coast d c New York, California, um, looking at real estate in different parts of the country um, and how they think there's going to be so many people come to more, I, I don't want to say rural, what would you call it? Not the big major yeah. city um, yeah. in different parts of the country. And that there may not be these cities where, you know, the tech boom is in this one part of the country. Once people start getting distributed throughout the United States, that may not be a thing anymore. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think some of the popular ones they talked about where people are move, uh, Nashville, um, Atlanta, Austin, obviously, Austin. but Austin is, it's going to become its own giant city. <laughs> yeah. It's growing so fast. I mean, some of these places that they talk like they're moving to smaller places, to us, it, like, it's all relative what a smaller, a smaller city is. Depends if you're coming from New York or LA right. or where you're coming from. I, yeah. I saw
0: a number. It was either 140,000 or 180,000 fam- net families left California in 2020. That's crazy. And that's a whole bunch of people who everywhere else they go shopping except for seattle and in new york perhaps are like <laughs> really i like that's all it costs whereas you know as a builder again we're proud that we've raised prices to some point but it's it completely changes the game when you're moving from another another market i was also listening to a podcast of people who live in the bay area in california and They're just like you can't build here it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to build here we talked before about it an article that like I think they built 12 affordable homes and the cost like affordable housing units somewhere in the Bay Area and it costs like over a million dollars for each one of them after all of the taxes and and, I'm fees sure just and everything else.
1: Significantly more. Like and just getting all the So I think that's in.
0: the these places that are more development friendly that have the land, have some extra capacity for their sewer and and water and electric and everything else. Um the, the real question is, are these, are these superstar cities in trouble or one other thing that, um, I thought was an interesting point was maybe this just makes the those large cities more affordable mm-hmm. for, for people who are starting out in their career or, um, typically you would say there's no way they would be able to live in Manhattan, but now they might have an opportunity as rents drop and pricing drops. So whether they're truly going to die, I think is, is an overstatement, but there is a compounding effect of, I think, um, someone else did the math that there are 40,000 households in California that end up paying for almost half of a certain type of tax. There's not, not again, taxes as a whole, but there's some large tax uh, that the state needs that really comes from, at the end of the day, 40,000 people. And so if <laughs> if only 5,000 of them leave, that's a big hole to fill. Yeah, So it so can't become a compounding to, effect.
2: Yeah, public transport and all those things get impacted once those people start moving out. And like right. you said, they were talking a lot about the super commuters, the people who drive so far into these cities are a lot of, like you said, middle class or lower class, or you know, people who can't afford to live mm-hmm. in the city. And so that may...
0: Yeah, well, happen. even when we moved here to Columbus from Pittsburgh... We live about, you know, with, with no traffic, probably 25 minutes from downtown, but on a typical day, it's going to be closer to 40, 45 minutes. And the point was, I really don't care. I'm going to drive to the airport once or twice a month. That's the Mm -hmm. furthest I'm going to be driving. And that's about 25, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Let's, let's get a bigger house. We've got, you know, just enough kids. Almost said too many. That would have been wrong. (laughs) Uh, We got just just enough (laughs) and we need uh, room for me to work out of. And and so we just ended up further away. One of my other favorite points is that they say the next Silicon Valley is nowhere. And I think that's a really interesting concept of that talent is open to companies at an extent in a a way that it never really was. And so even though everyone's talking about Austin, certainly it will will have its unfair share of really smart, uh, talented people. But also I, I I read an article of someone who they they were from New York, Manhattan, and they had always wanted to own their own home. And so they decided to move to Minnesota. So it's not like everyone's just autopilot like Austin. They just, they found a house with a half an acre at a price that they could afford and they moved to Minnesota.
1: Random city. I really like the, if you do read it, there's a list that um, U-Haul puts out. They call it their U-Haul uh-huh. growth cities. And to me that gives, because it said the top three cities are in Florida, me being in Florida, Tampa area, I'm like, oh, really? Which ones are they? And then you go, to, I'm like, okay, these are like the cities like me living in Florida. Like I would not, they would not be on my top list anywhere. But it's interesting as far as like, will those be in, you know, two, three, four years? Like that's where even more developments is happening. Because the cities that I see that I'm familiar with are, there's lots of land. Lots mm-hmm. of land yeah. available.
0: Right. And that's- like, where I'm at,
1: like, mm, there's nothing. Yeah, these cities are like third tier. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's a term i'm making up but
0: yeah it's they're down yeah, there they're, they're they're well they're affordable i mean they're much more, so, much so more affordable that that affordability plus the lower taxes of florida plus the plus mm-hmm. the weather um it's it's yeah. it's a good mix for for a lot of what a lot of folks are looking for especially when they've been stuck you know if you have a small yard in in uh in new york boroughs or you know there's half the year where you can't really hang out there anyway so All right. Last news article for today, three ways home builders can prepare for the end of third-party data from duconvert.com. That's a clickbaity headline if I've ever heard one, because I don't know that third-party data is ending. We just can't use it uh, the way that that we typically have. So Andrew uh, summarizes for us. I think, again, you can always click the link in the show notes to go through the details. And we've talked around this before, but what do people really need to do at the end of the day?
1: I think they first need to understand the party. Like what is first party data? Because uh-huh. all these terms, like it's has step- been like the past year, I feel like we have to understand these now. Uh, but first party data being data that you own, you collect directly from your customer. So it could be as simple as like their, their contact information would be first party data. Or it could also be, if your website, you have your own cookie and own way to track them yourself without having Google Analytics or Facebook right. Pixel, that'd be your own first-party data. You also you have to be aware, you have to be responsible for it and and know the risk. As and far you have as to tracking. update
0: your privacy policies to make sure you're explaining exactly, exactly what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll, we'll definitely. That's just going to be what it's going to be. Um, you're going to need that more and more.
0: Yeah, you know, if you if you really want to be on the bleeding edge as they say uh, when it comes to digital sure. marketing and data definitely check out segment it's owned by the amazing company twilio it's a, a yeah. and it is a, um, it a great
1: domain name segment.com yeah, it is that a, great a do- few dollars yeah.
0: all right uh, but it allows you to manage your own customer data platform which again we won't go into right now check out the check out the site check out segment um but that is some place you need to begin exploring. And again, just just be careful. We're not saying don't do it, but when you partner with other companies to leverage uh, some of the the martech or um, fancier parts of of design and buy online, you just want to ask questions about how the the data that they're collecting it, when it's not in your domain, will you have access to it? How will it function? related to different uh, privacy laws in different parts of the country. It's just, you need, you need, you don't want to be, you don't want to wake up two years from now having heavily invested in something and not have understood that at all. Um, so we've also been having a lot of questions since we don't have to talk about getting leads and selling homes. Hey, let's preparing for this shift that's coming. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've been talking a lot about that as well. So you can check that out. And segment
1: in, has, I, I was just looking at it here. It has a nice free account. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they do have a free account that you can sign up for
1: and play with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will, I think that's probably the quickest way to be familiar with all of this. It's yep. just, even if you put it on a landing page and send your own traffic to it, like yourself, yep. um, you'll see how it works.
0: Yep. All right. That'll do it for the news. We'll take a quick break and we come back. Oh my oh. gosh. I'm so excited. You guys, Sarah Titus from Eastbrook Homes is joining us to talk about... Uh, their new online content initiatives or the, the continuation of their online content initiatives. And I'm she's like, she's my twin sister. So it's, this is like a star Wars thing happening here where I didn't know <laughs> that. I guess that makes me Luke, but uh, that there is a, there is a Leia out there. She's my twin sister. I had no idea both her personal experiences and a lot of her viewpoints. So funny. one of my favorite Uh, interviews of all time, actually. It's amazing. So we'll take a quick quick break. We come back. Sarah Titus. All right, today we have someone that I didn't even know is going to be here until last week. Sarah Titus, the marketing manager and graphic designer at Eastbrook Homes. Thanks for joining us, Sarah.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: And I didn't know you were coming because we don't interact in person very regularly. We definitely have known each other for many years uh, here and there and everywhere and summits and events between. Mm -hmm. But uh, on January 15th, you just dropped a little bomb in the MarketProof Marketing Group. (laughs) Little bomb. And uh, first of all, again, we're we're super happy that you wanted to share this with the world. And we th- that's one of our favorite things about this podcast is the opportunity to highlight what marketers are doing, because overall, marketers still don't talk to each other as much as they need to, and, and other parts of the business probably do. But this is the post that Sarah made. Happy Friday, marketing folks. We just completed a huge project, and I thought this would be a good place to show it off. And we love that. We love showing off great work. And this is... Definitely qualifies as great work. And what it is, Sarah, define what this is, then we'll back up and talk more about you. But this was, I mean, immediately 29 reactions, 30 comments, Don Dantzler saying, Sarah, I'm ripping you off and giving you full credit, but I'm doing this. What is this thing that you dropped into the digital marketing world?
3: Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, COVID and back in March and it was the we have what we call preview night or called preview night where we have a design center where we invite our customers in. Well, we don't invite, they have to come. Everyone has to come to preview night <laughs> in some way, shape or form, which was physical. And it was, you know, two hours of someone walking you around a design center and trying to just give you all the information they could in two hours. And it's always been a struggle to try to get it to be, a user experience that wasn't horrible and so it was one of those projects that you you're like yes yeah, someday we'll find a way to get that done but we've got you know other things to do mm-hmm. so uh obviously covid pushed it to the top of the funnel because you couldn't do preview night anymore so you know march april hit our ceo kind of put it out there as far as how do we do virtual marissa our content queen put together a couple of videos with her phone just kind of recording the uh, director of interior design, the Anne who's in the videos, it, just with her phone. And you know they were very rough. We use a video software called Wibbitz and kind of uh-huh. smoosh them together, but they weren't wonderful. They were very rough and tumble. And everyone kept going, oh, we need this to be better. We need this to be better. But that had the inevitable wall of how much it would cost. And so I have some great partners I work with. I work with a videographer local to the area and he kind of quoted me ten to $12,000 to put together what I wanted. And it kind of, and then I kind of pushed it off to the design team and said, Here's a great videographer. He'll help project manage. Like, he's great. It wasn't really something I wanted to take on because I uh-huh. didn't really want to be in charge of it <laughs> in that moment in time. And so, kind of put it on their plate and left it alone. I'm friends with the videographer. So, he touched base every now and then, like, no, I haven't heard anything, hasn't gone anywhere. Um, I think it was like end of October. Uh, we had, obviously COVID came back up and it now was a big thing again. Summertime got a little lighter around here. People could come in smaller groups and then November hit and it was like, oh no, we need to do this again. We, you know, hello, it's back and we have to pay attention. So it kind of came back up. Our CEO, you know, dropped me an email and said, when can we get this done? And it was one of those, we make the joke, uh, make our CEO that he always asks you to do something and he always says, it'll just take five minutes and yeah. everything <laughs> in his mind takes five <laughs> minutes and obviously <laughs> nothing <laughs> takes five minutes. So it was one of those things that, you know, I was, I guess, in the right frame of mind to agree to do something and uh, realized that this was never going to get done if we didn't do it. And Marissa and myself love to help the customers. And that was really, we have plenty of traffic. It really was because we have so much traffic this was the time to start investing in our customers. And so we hadn't needed to try very hard to get all the traffic as most of us know right now. Yep. And so it became, well, what do we focus on? Let's focus on helping the customers during COVID it's hard and people are stressed and anxious and they can't do the design experience the way they want to. So,
0: and if you haven't already seen what we're talking about, this is a good time. If you can pause, click the link in the show notes, go check it out. Or if you're in the market proof marketing group, go back to the January 15th post and check it out. But, uh, this probably isn't the terminology you would use, but what what Sarah and her team created was a content hub, which we talked about in the news segment a couple weeks ago, um, where there's multiple different types of content around a particular topic being displayed at the single time. So there is a video like you talked about. There's um, additional resources and kind of the top things to take away from the video, which is that's kind of something pulled from the um, BombBomb uh, video email of the video is, is more voicemail with a face. And, um, you can't always abstract all of the important details when you're just absorbing the video. So list those out separately as well. There's PDF downloads, there's links to blog posts, there's all sorts of things combined together. But that was the thing that Sarah dropped on the world was, and, and we joked with a couple of people that was Sarah doing this out of, uh, Certainly, like you birthed this thing into the world, but also it's like uh, Friday Thanks. afternoon, like two nineteen PM, yeah, two nineteen <laughs> Eastern time on Friday. She was like, "I made this thing," and and I can imagine just if there was a deviant side to you, which I, I now know there isn't. It's like a bunch <laughs> yeah. of marketers were a little less able to relax and sleep that weekend because, again, people loved it so much there, and I think that's. The most exciting part of this is, and I think you'd agree, Sarah, this didn't come from some, I like the ether. It wasn't this idea that just struck you like a bolt of lightning. This concept's been around, but mm-hmm. now what you've done, which is incredibly important is given someone, something that someone can go to their boss or their team and say, look, a builder did it. A mm-hmm. builder of a particular yes. size. That's an important part. Mm-hmm. A builder did it just recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, we love this anytime this happens around anything, mm-hmm. because that's always the first question around any good idea is, well, who else has done it, Kevin? Right. Someone else and, do that?
3: And that was really the thing that stood in our way in the beginning was I couldn't find anything out there to model it after. We did. Were some you real surprised by that? I, I had posted a couple i places uh, I'm in this benchmark, uh, the benchmark marketing or benchmark open book group for builders. And I kind of posted it to a bunch of them and asked, hey, does anyone know anything? Has anyone seen anything? I mm-hmm. Googled around. I searched around. I searched out of their industries and I couldn't find anything. Maybe close enough was like the Salesforce has trailhead, like a learning hub or like some of the... Uh-huh learning channels where you go and you learn, like, I know Adobe. So like going and learning Adobe through like Emma or something like that, where you're learning gotcha. a topic. And that right. was the closest thing I could find, but nobody had done anything similar. So it was really a, I have an idea now, how so, do I make it? A thing?
0: Uh, I think what, again, what I love though, is that there's, I love something that's very mundane and that's iteration, mm-hmm. just slow and steady steps towards the right place. And even this Know Your Options content hub slash amazing multimedia blog learning management quasi, like it was all, it wasn't the first time you'd done this either. Right. So talk about Eastbrook University and the original intent of that and kind of how it shifted.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I started Eastbrook six years ago and my boss at the time, our VP of sales and marketing had always wanted EBTV is what he called it. He, he loved to abbreviate things. So he said, I want EBTV videos about Eastbrook. And we did a lot. We've got a huge YouTube channel. We do a lot of video and varying degrees. So he always looked at like you have A, B, and C content. A, content being the like really good stuff you hired someone for. B, the like in between the cheaper hire. And Mm -hmm. then C is your phone. You know, you just pull up whatever you can. And then we have branched into, you know, partners with, you know, local morning shows and things like that to get video content as well. So we really worked to grow that content there, but trying to find ways to educate people in those videos. So that's where came Eastbrook University. Bob, I believe, coined the term back then. And it was, it started as like white papers and it was these like, you know, long PDFs of just content and like a book. It was just a bunch of books about things. Gotcha. <laughs> and it was too, you know, too much for university the for sure. University. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a legit university. Yeah. And, you know, there was a whole idea. We were working with an advertising agency at the time and it was like, you know, they wanted events and certificates and it uh, made it this big thing. And I kind of tried uh, to uh, homework not-
0: for, homework for customers. That sounds yeah. like, uh, a- like just build our house, please.
3: <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so I really wanted to yeah, make it more digestible and more fun and more informative. So, uh, Eastbrook university kind of grew from that. We tra- we got rid of the white papers. Turned them more into blogs. So we have a blog, we post a blog every week um, and tried to find, you know, it's a combination of sometimes it's homeowner highlights with testimonials. Sometimes it's really informative, you know, about our energy efficiency or our smart home information. Uh, Sometimes they have flyers. Sometimes it's just long blog content. Sometimes it's a video. So really kind of spurred from there, wanting to educate our customers. It's been you know, you kind of take pauses and to come back to projects on and off. And this is one where we we're here and then we go and then we're here and we go, depending on what traffic is, you know, if you need more traffic, you start focusing on the funnel and prospecting and things like that. But in that time when you can do what you want, we really, really enjoy helping our customers know what what they're doing and how to do it because it's important.
1: What does your marketing team look like? Like I'm just picturing Mm -hmm. someone's like, how 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 are you able to get this done? Like, how many people are there? Like, what's it? What's the makeup? Like, yeah, how's that look?
3: It's myself and uh, Marissa, our <laughs> Two like content, okay. our content person. Uh, she really is a content queen. Uh, she does all okay. of our social media, our blogs. Um, uh, you know, all the content you see on the re- website, she has touched or tweaked in some way, shape, or form. Okay. And then I kind of handle the other things, working with different partners. Uh, we do a lot of partnering, so. Uh, when we had that advertising agency, I didn't love that. I didn't love one person being in charge of all the things. Uh-huh. Um, so I wanted to go find the expert in each of those things. So it's uh-huh. more work if you think about it. I mean, that's what my boss at the time told me. Like, so you want to manage seven people instead of one people? And Yes, I did. I wanted to go find the best person for it. <laughs> yeah. So we found a website company. You find a video, a videographer. We found an animation person because we've got some animation videos in that Eastbrook University. And so the videographer is not the same as an animation person. We needed two yep. different people. Yeah. So and sometimes I'm yeah I guess I'm a graphic designer. It's what I went to school for, but I don't oh. always have time to do it. So we have a designer we work with. And- <laughs>
0: We love design. I mean, design as a background is, is a super weapon for sure. For sure. And it, I, I have a new nickname for you, Sarah. This will never stick because it's not sexy <laughs> or a good... But um, Sarah Chihuly Titus is my new nickname for you because Chihuly. I haven't talked about this in, I feel like, oh, uh, two years. Good. But the Chihuly method of, of doing marketing and, and digital advertising is, I think, the right and best way to do it where you're finding, like you said, the best people in a, in a certain area and you are scratch you know Chihuly glass is is where this comes from the the gentleman with the crazy hair and an eye patch oh, yeah, just sketches something on a napkin hands it to a glass blower they blow these crazy glass objects he approves them and tells someone else how to put them together but when you go to a really fancy hotel or resort and they have a fancy Chihuly glass piece that costs them tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm-hmm. They don't say it's done by Joe, the glass blower inspired by Chihuly. It's Chihuly glass, just right. like Eastbrook Holmes marketing efforts is Sarah Titus, but Sarah's using this team of experts. And there actually have been studies that using the best uh, person or company in a given field is not actually the most important thing in terms of long-term success or results. However, after you get the basics done, it does become the most important thing. So
2: mm-hmm. if you have
0: no idea which direction is north, hiring a guide is right. um, is not going to be as efficient. In the, and that's a bad example. But mm-hmm. you, you have to you have to have some basic understanding of what you need and what you don't Correct. before you go and if, if you arrive at the expert too soon. What's the old like uh, the the student arrives when the teacher the teacher arrives when the student is ready? I think mm-hmm. is the. Something like that. It sounds it's, it's that. It's that basic idea of getting the expert involved yeah. too soon isn't helpful, but right. at the end of the day, you know, you got Eastbrook in a place where you could branch out mm-hmm. to having seven versus one. But if you started day okay. one, uh, I don't know all of your background, but mm-hmm. it might've been too much if you had started, you
3: know. Yeah, it totally would have been. I was at Eastbrook for about a year and a half before I kind of pitched this idea of I know that this place, this guy's great and he's been doing it for years and nice man, but we need other things. We have, you know, as we're going to grow, I mean, this was back in 2016. It, the world looked very different in 2016 than it does today, but it also looked a lot of the same. So, you know, as back then when I did take time, I, I'm not a very quiet person. I have a lot to say. Uh, and, <laughs> but good. when I first started a job, I was very quiet. Like there was a couple of weeks there where people were like, does she talk? Cause that's my thing. Like when I go in somewhere, I just am soaking it all up. I want to hear everything and see everything in all the departments. I want to know what everyone does because that's how you can come up with ideas like this. I need to know what estimating does and how they do it so that I can find a way to explain that to a customer. And that's the, that's marketing in my mind. I feel
0: like I'm looking into a mirror, Uh, That's uh, but that (laughs) is exactly it. Like I, um, Yeah. Same thing. When I first meet someone or I'm in a new situation, I'm incredibly Mm -hmm. quiet and silent. Even (laughs) when we were joking about that, like I'm on clubhouse, I'm not interacting with anyone. I'm not following Mm -hmm. anyone. I'm just there watching and learning and figuring out before I decide which way I want to go on the platform. And even I, I I love to share too much information about my life, but I I was voted president of my freshman class in high school. And I went to the first student council meeting and I, I mean, you're in high school, right? So you're a freshman coming into this awkward place and then I'm going to a student council meeting. I don't even know what that means. School hasn't officially started yet. It's like August and I have to go to school to this meeting all these upperclassmen. And I sat through this hour and a half meeting and did not say a word. Yeah. And my vice president, her name is Sarah, came, she's like, "Are you okay? Like do you not want to do this? Like why did you not?" I was like, "I I I'm just trying to get the lay of the land here. I don't understand mm-hmm. what's going on." So, and, right. and and to your point, Sarah, you have to do that not just with the marketing department and not just with the sales department or the online sales, but you got to do that with everything. Yeah. Because I let, let's get into some of the nitty gritty of this. Yeah. Um, real quick for context for everyone, how many homes did Eastbrook Homes sell last year? Roughly. Uh, Five hundred and okay. that sixty
3: something. Five hundred and forty-six. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's just round off 550 for for context. So two marketing people, 550 homes a year. Mm -hmm. um, But all of that track that you laid, so to speak, of understanding Mm -hmm. how other departments work, as you start creating content hubs around things that aren't just on the front end of sales and marketing, but transitioning Eastbrook University into this tool for people who have already purchased and Mm -hmm. now are interacting with other parts of the organization, how collaborative... Of a process did this need to be, and um, give us just a general hint or help commiserate with other marketers, a little bit of was it easy to get the momentum of everyone else? Obviously, you said the CEO is on board mm-hmm. but but talk about momentum and how that worked on this project
3: yeah, I mean it's why I originally said no or kind of backed away from it in March. both you're busy and it just seemed like a Herculean task to try to get everyone on the same page. And it would have been in March. It wouldn't have worked in March. So everything works, you know, the way that it needs to, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it March. that's a really
0: it, important lesson. I don't, I don't want to interrupt <laughs> you, but just scratch that off to the side. Like timing does matter.
3: Yes. And the Over. right
0: idea at the wrong time is still the wrong idea.
3: Exactly. Just do forget in March, it. <laughs> we, in March we felt differently. I mean, you know, everyone is a little nervous. Stakeholders yeah. are nervous. I had to go present, you know, different marketing budgets like okay if it, we do, see this way we're going to do this change mm-hmm. and if we if it goes this way we're going to make this change and mm-hmm. and that was really my first big presentation to like all of our stakeholders was taking this presentation to them and kind of explaining what we did and why this was important and why we needed to and you did all your webinars you know back then March April and you talked about the three things the you can spend more stay where you are or spend less and mm-hmm. we were in that spend a little bit more than what we what we were and it worked. It, it worked great. We had the capital to do that, which was very... I mean, we're very lucky to have that. And we're very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But it but it convinced them of so much more than that. So I could really go in and say, I you know what I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it. This is why I'm doing it. Here's yeah. all my numbers. Here's my spreadsheets. I got real nerdy about it. Put a street whole bunch of together. Got and and yeah. I, I wowed a bunch of people who knew nothing about marketing or didn't really want to know anything about marketing. Um, and that was really, I think, the first trust builder is back in April when it was this. I can do whatever you need me to do. Here are all my numbers and all my plans. And I just need to know what direction you want me to go in and I will do it. But here's why I want to go in this direction. So it was the I'll give you everything. But here's my recommendation. Okay, you don't
0: even have to answer this verbally. You can answer it with your eyes. So no Ooh. one else has to know. <laughs> just us. Have, have you seen... Because I'm wondering how how much like Siamese twin set up like you and I are <laughs> for me when that happened, because I remember those moments when when the street cred hit there and I knew my numbers, and there was this sense of like, okay, we can set this goal for Kevin and his team, and they can deliver on it. Have you seen that that question show up for other parts of the organization where leadership is kind of like, Hey, can you start to maybe run the way this department looks a little bit more like the way Sarah's doing with marketing? Yeah. (laughs) I know you, you are me. I am you. That's funny.
3: (laughs) Our managers meeting at the end of the year, it became a, everyone who's in charge, like all the lower managers, I want all of them to present as two. That's what our CEO kind of brought was what Sarah did in April, I want to see that from everyone. I want to learn all of these things and hear it from them instead of this, you know, just the higher ups bringing mm-hmm. more people into the fold to get more ideas. Is really where that goes, and being part of that is how you know where you really need help. I mean, that's how I knew of like, okay, we need to fix Preview Night. It can't wait any longer. This is harming our customers, which will harm your reputation. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. it's long term marketing. Is if I let this sure. sit and fester, and people are angry or frustrated, it's only going to get worse. And now my marketing is going to get harder. I'm going to have to work harder instead of smarter. So that's really what it was. I mean, that's what pushes you over the edge. And if
0: I had to diagnose why that happens, it's because marketing generally gets this, um, label from the CFO and leadership of this place where, you know, It's just unicorns and rainbows and (laughs) creative things happen, but we never know. We put in, we put in one thing and we're not sure what's going to come out the other end. It's, it's very abstract. And so when a good leader in marketing starts to say, it's not really that abstract, like we're, we're checking Mm -hmm. these metrics, we're working on these things and, and we can predict to a certain extent, the results that are likely to occur. If we, if we do this investment, then that starts like, well, why can't the construction team hit their timelines? And why can't costing, you know, have a have a more clear expectation of when pricing is coming? Like, why can't everyone else create, if marketing can do it, it's a little bit like the caveman commercial from Geico, yeah. I guess, but- Marketing can do it. <laughs> Anyone can do it. Okay, so oh. back, back to this. Yeah. Uh, co- collaborative effort, timing had yeah. to be right.
3: Timing had to be right. And I, I pitched it as, I will take this. I I will, I will say yes if I- Get the budget that I asked for. So $15,000. I need the budget. I need the time from the other department. We needed and the director of interior designer, to buy into it. Because I don't know interior design. I'm not an interior designer. I don't know what all the options are. But I know how to make a good video. And I know how to communicate to our customers. So it had to be this this cooperative group. And I think that was the hardest part because I mean, you're totally taking Anne out of her normal life. And you're saying I need two and a half days to film. And she's like, no, that, how about a day and a half? You're like, no, I need two and a half. So it was a little bit, we, we did a day and a half. We were right. We needed two and a half, but. It had to be a little bit of that give and take of, all right, fine, we will try it in a day and a half, but be prepared for that extra day because I'm telling you that's how long it takes. And when we got done, she, she said exactly what you'd assume. Wow, that is a lot of work. I never <laughs> thought it would take that much time. I was
1: say, those had to be long days, just long,
3: like, oh, like who, who well, wrote the day.
1: script on the, each video or how so, did that process work? Because that seems so, very time consuming
3: yeah it was. So we went through you know those PDFs that you see on those additional resources. I went through and kind of bullet pointed everything out. And oh, wow. then Marissa went and cleaned it all up and made all of my stuff sound good because that's what her magicness that Content she queen. Content queen. And she went through and polished it all. And then we sent it to Anne and said, read through the... And she, of course, was like, oh my gosh, this is like 17 pages. And you're like, yes, but we need you to read through it. And that was... The hardest part is she's got a whole job. you know, She's doing a whole job and she's looking at it like, I don't want to read this. But it was (laughs) was key. I mean, we needed to make sure that the content was right. And uh, one of the biggest challenges with this was also making sure that it stayed evergreen. So instead of saying... Shaw carpeting, you know, we're, we like to say what, what brands they are, but then that makes it not, not ever yeah. going especially right. in today's world where everything two, is. Two, three, getting, four
1: years, six
3: months. Exactly. 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 Tomorrow. Yeah. That's, Tomorrow. That's so you, yeah, you if a cabinet majority. company
0: says we can't ship the cabinets for yeah. two months because of COVID, yeah, might find another cabinet installed in the home. Yeah. It's so exactly.
1: maybe, so maybe a lesson for marketers. Like you did 95% of the, the, the work up front you're like, I just need you to show up, make sure this is good. Mm-hmm. Get the sign, get the check on it. And then, okay. Then they're there to record the videos. Right. Um, so you make right. it easy for them.
3: Super yeah. Cool. We try to make it as easy as possible for her. Uh, she did a couple read throughs. Well, and then the videographer had his script person w- work through it and, you know, change some wording here and there to make, warm it up a little bit. Writing for <laughs> printed content, website content and script is all very different. And that was, you know, of that too is things you say are not necessarily things you write. And we, and that was the important part that was once we put all that work into the script, that's why we put the transcript on there for every single section is it's great for SEO, but it's also, someone might not want to watch a video. I know my husband would never watch all these videos, but he'd read it. He'd use, you know, he'd click through and read it. And so having both on that page allows someone to experience this information in the way that's best for them. Or I would want more pictures. So we have links to like our feature gallery of like I want to see this. I don't want you to just tell me about it. I want to see it. Um, yeah. The videos yeah. do a combination of all that. But I'm the answer
0: is always and right now, like you couldn't exactly. just do the transcript or the video. You need to do both and, That's and, the and present them
3: all the like things.
1: Three delivery methods. So you have video, you have word, and you have the images mm-hmm. all on there. So three different yeah. types of people.
0: Exactly. So yeah. yeah. And I, I love how, well, f- first of all, a warning. So Sarah said $15,000. Remember, Yes, And I'm overly sensitive to this. I know I just roll with it and stop wasting time clarifying all this stuff, but I'm always terrified of the person who's new and is just like, okay, I'm going to go to my boss this afternoon and say, I need $15,000 and I'm going to two, two and a half days of my design centers person. And we can do this. No, Mm -hmm. no, you probably can't not for $15,000 and not in those days because of all the time and energy that Sarah built in Mm -hmm. with Eastbrook university and having a content queen And like the iterative nature of this means do not just try to duplicate exactly without understanding all the pre-work that went into it.
3: Right. Well, the videographer that we use, we've had a relationship with him for years. I was on a nonprofit board with him. I know him. It's his and he's one guy who runs his own video company, but he's got all the stuff. I mean, he's a little video genius and has everything you need. I mean, it's a full on production. And I think the coolest thing about filming it is he has always got the coolest new toy and he was able to it's covid. So we couldn't go to the filming, which made me nervous. Mm. I am also like I want to be like in everything. He live streamed it. So we saw everything the camera saw, nice. everything the camera recorded. He live streamed it over Google to Marissa and I so that we could watch everything. And we iterated in the moment of like, she'd do a take and then we'd be like, I don't know, this line felt a little clunky. Let's change the words to here. Or yeah, I didn't like that. Let's change to a different angle. And we were able to iterate in the moment, which is a huge important part of video, and but not have to be there, which during COVID- yep great too. And so he is, he's local. And, and I think finding yourself a really good local company, a local person is going to be obviously a lot cheaper than a video company. So yes, the, I know other people who do video spend a lot more than we do. I'm just, I'm very lucky to have some really, really awesome partners that we have fostered relationships with for years. I mean, they're, they know we're good on it. They know we're going to have some cool projects for them. And we also have a lot of weird deadlines. So, you know, this was kicked off November 27th and the deadline was January 15th. The day I posted it on the po- on Facebook was the day we launched. Okay. And- <laughs> uh, <this laughs> uh, I,
0: uh, you have Not to know then. that. That makes me nervous too. Let's explain what that looks like for everyone, Sarah. So yeah. this was the task. That was the timeline. And I know there's no way to get exact on this, but generally speaking, what percentage of your time working, working time in that timeframe was dedicated to this project.
3: Oh, 60 to 75% of our weeks that entire time was spent something on this, was either scripting, uh, video, planning ahead of what shots we needed in our design center, Uh um, planning schedules, communicating those schedules to people in other departments, making sure that the site was available, making sure the videographer had all of the people he needed to, you know, someone to watch the sound, someone to watch the camera, someone to watch the other camera. Um, And then also making sure that, All of our ducks were in a row as far as the website. So we actually tasked our website company with this project the same time we tasked the videographer. We said, we're going to be doing this thing. I don't have anything for you. It's like
0: vaccine production (laughs) concurrent to... (laughs) With our
3: own warp speed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we really went through it and said, you know, we're going to need, we're going to have these nine videos. We knew it was nine. We knew we wanted to break it up. I think that was a really important part is a 48 minute video was a no-go. That's what okay. everyone thought Could we you should imagine? Make. That's what everyone thought we should make is, well, we'll just do a preview night in a video. We'll just make a 48 minute video and tell everyone to watch it. And Marissa and I were just cringing, like, no, we can't, we can't do that. That's not going to work. And so it became- it will feel
0: like work again. We don't want it to feel right. like work for the exactly. consumer. Exactly.
3: And that was, again, that trust we've built though is how we were able to say, no, I know that sounds right. And I know that feels right, but take it from us who know this and are those experts, please don't make us do the project that way. Cause it's not going to be good. And we didn't, I mean, we didn't really send these drafts to anyone. I mean, we did ask, I said, if I'm going to take this on, I kind of need carte blanche. I need you to let me run this project the way I know it will be good. And and I mean, I think we earned, <laughs> earned all the things we said. No, that,
0: that, and we're going to talk a little bit about website and, and website design and, and find the partner. But that's a, that's a really key point of how many cooks are going to be in this kitchen with me. Yeah. And anytime you're taking on a task, you know, everything you've done again, is like picture perfect. You defined a budget, there's a defined time frame. You're saying, these are the, these are the things I need, mm-hmm. but that's one that a lot of people forget where they're like, okay, but. Ultimately, this is going to be related to the design studio process. So that person needs to be the one making the call. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this offline about, about warranty with someone else of like, Mm, you you can't, you can't let warranty run a, how to improve warranty. Right. From the consumer's perspective, marketing has to be part of that conversation too. So yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some of the other content that's on these pages. And um, I'm looking at the kitchen section two kitchens. There's a 10 and Mm -hmm. a half minute video.
3: The longest one there is, <laughs> well, is <laughs> necessarily
0: so of the choices. kitchen being yeah. mm-hmm. such an important part. Um, but 10 and a half minute video, you've got the transcript, mm-hmm. you've got the key points and tips from the video, mm-hmm. but then you've got this other content and I'm curious, um, I'll name it out here and then you can tell me what, which one of these things already existed And you simply Mm -hmm. had to curate and find them or how many you said, in addition to the video, we have to create these additional tool, additional items. So one is a link out to a blog post about your cabinet company, which is, I think, also genius of a lot easier to switch out a a blog post link than the, the mention in the video itself. Correct. Uh, One is a, is a homeowner highlight about a particular kitchen Mm -hmm. and then a link to your gallery of kitchen inspiration. Correct. How much of that existed? Prior to you kicking off this project, all of it. Okay, see, this is I'm just telling you Boom. all fifteen thousand dollars a month and a half or whatever, and it, it's it's a it, lot. It is a lot.
1: Yeah, and I love the gallery. They have Thank there. You. like just the Thank way you. it. It's it's essentially. I'm trying to how do I describe it to talk about it. You could pick the home plan series. You could pick mm-hmm. the room room options,
3: mm-hmm.
1: the furnishes, and not furn- a whole bunch of. It's just yeah, filters and filters and filters. Super cool, and it's already set like from the kitchen page. Yes, and brings up all the kitchens.
3: Right, you know, like, exactly. Oh, well, there I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this
1: is amazing. It it still amazes me that there's some big, large builders that do ten, fifteen thousand homes a year, and they're missing out on things like this. <laughs> Just yeah. there's also
0: door companies, my, right, Andrew?
1: Who and door companies can't get yeah.
0: the finish of a front door. <laughs> yep. oh, for sure.
1: And I'm like, sure. what in the world? Like this is crazy. Like, yeah, and all the pictures. That's yeah. So you, this could be like, we could keep going forever. You obviously have a great process for photographing all your homes.
3: We do. We have a, another great partner um, that we work with that is, I mean, we got on, in with them when they first started. So I think it was like 2015, 2016. I uh, met the guy. He was starting his own phot- photography, videography company focused on <laughs> real estate. We got in on the ground floor and have been their partner ever since. So we've got wow, a real six good years, with them. seven years. Um, and they've got everything, I mean, same day scheduling, they've now expanded across the country. It's next door photos and they, uh, they've got companies all over the place and, but they're consistent. And so Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people come and pitch me, you know, I've got a photography company. They can't touch the price. They can't touch the quality and they can't touch the turnaround. They have next day turnaround, like everything with that. We go online, we schedule it. So Marissa does all of that, you know, keeping track of all of our homes, every showcase home now gets photographed. Um, every every customer that we're told about from a sales agent so we put it out there to our sales agents if you have a cool customer you let us know and we will take a take photos of it if you don't let us know that we won't know but and we also have the other thing you mentioned as the homeowner highlights we have a lot of really awesome customers that want to be highlighted and this is nice. Bertha's you know brainchild a couple of years ago of wanting to reach out we used to ask our sales agents to do it that's a uh, example of not giving your sales agents tasks they don't need to do and it it really does come back yes well they had the they had the first contact they know the customer they know more than us and they do and those are all true But they don't need one more thing to do. And Marissa reaching out and saying, "Hey, I'm the content person at Eastbrook. Can I photograph? You know, would you like to feature your home?" Yeah, it's just as good, if not better, than asking a sales agent to be a go-between. And really, she used Instagram. We have a really great Instagram. She keeps very updated every day. And people started tagging us. We've got a um, our website company did a focus group with some of our past homeowners and for our new website we're doing, and they said you kind of have like a cult following, like people who have built homes with us have built. Seven, eight, nine homes with us. They're they come back and they they're happy and they like to show off their homes. So they really do like to ask. You know, they okay. come in, we do all sorts of fun stuff. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna veer us off. I do want to talk <laughs> about website and, and web design, but more importantly, as you keep talking, if I was listening to this episode right now, um, I would want to know how did how did Sarah come to be? So talk a little <laughs> bit more about where you came from before you went. How long have you been in home building Mm -hmm. and, and was, was there a builder before Eastbrook?
3: There's not Eastbrook was, is my first builder. Um, but I do like to explain that I have always been part of experiences. So my first job when I was still in high school, uh, a teacher recommended me for a job with the Charlevoix Venetian festival. I grew up in Charlevoix, Michigan. They have this giant summer festival with hundreds of thousands of attendees Multiple days, music festival. And she recommended me to be the, they said, administrative assistant. It was really an event coordinator, but in the moment, it was an administrative assistant. And that was my first job, like official job. And I did that every summer, um, all the wow. way through school and college. So, and
0: event back, coordination, so lots yes. of logistics, a lot of checklists, a, a lot giant of event,
1: too. Not like what
0: can go wrong, I mean. could go wow. wrong. Always
3: something went wrong. And working with lots of partners and lots of vendors, I contingency
0: mean, you planning. Mm-hmm. And yet you're also in the experience business, like you said, so you've got to yep. figure out a way to get it all done with a smile on your face, even though everything somewhere is breaking. <laughs> <laughs> correct.
3: Correct. That is exactly what it is. And so I did that for years. And then my first job out of college, which actually had a winery in Traverse City. Um, and I was the web, uh, the event manager there. I did weddings and the tasting room manager. So again, experiences, weddings, very emotional, you know, events, weddings, yeah. home building, emotion high investments, lots of moving pieces, lots of moving partners, lots of emotion, just all the way across the board and lots of happiness. I mean, they're all very happy things too. And, and they can also all be tragic. So you've got a, a, a tightrope to walk. And that's, I would say that's what I'm good at is walking that tightrope. And it was uh, a smooth transition into home building, but I had to learn all the home building piece. That was the the hardest thing was, okay, I know how to manage an event. I know how to manage moving pieces how do I learn home building? And that was really that first, you know, couple months I was there of just absorbing all okay, the So
0: again, not, I don't, there's no prep for this, so it's okay. But I, <laughs> I, I have, it, how much, in as much detail as you can muster, mm-hmm. talk about how you went through that process then of learning home building.
3: Yeah. Um, and I know it's,
0: at this point, it's been a while ago too. So,
3: <laughs> so six years ago, actually, uh, on Monday, six years ago on Monday, wow. um, I just moved to the area. So I was in Traverse city and moved down to Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, was looking for jobs, you know, you strike out at a few and, you know, get a couple offers. And you're like, yeah, I don't think that's really me. And kind of was stuck in that event management side of things. Cause that's what my, you know, quote unquote skill or experience was, uh, but was kind of open to anything. So I actually got through into a, like a headhunter person, you know, kind of recommended me for this interview. I went in and interviewed and, you know, they offered me the position same day and I had no clue what I was even getting myself (laughs) into. I didn't even know what I was doing. I actually in college took two years of interior design. So, I did know some and I had an interest in homes because of that. I ended up moving to graphic design, but I was intrigued by that part because I always loved house uh, homes and houses. Um, I, you know, side, side personal. I grew up with housing insecurity as a kid. So I know housing was not a thing that I Uh
0: uh,
3: knew to value, but always saw it as like something you wanted to attain. So Uh Uh, the idea was kind of like your dreams coming true. And so I, I truly loved it. I just buried myself in it. I talked to everyone, you know, went and listened to as many things as I could. My boss, when I started there, kind of asked me to do that. He, so he kind of stuck me with Mm -hmm. a bunch of people. There wasn't really training. There was no one else in the marketing department. I mean, the person who's now our online salesperson was trying to coordinate that stuff. And and then they worked with the advertising agency mostly to do everything. So kind of got you know thrown around to some different departments and just tried to learn everything that I could, um, and read everything that I could, and listen to podcasts and listen you know your stuff, Jeff Shore stuff. I mean, I, from a lot of sales perspectives because my boss mm-hmm. was a former sale uh, realtor, so he you know told me to do all that stuff. And then getting out in the field. So one of our sales agents uh, famously yells a lot, and he he kind of yelled at me one day because I had an idea he didn't like. And he's like, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're talking about. You haven't even been out to the home. So how can you tell me how to do, how to market my home or how to sell my house when you haven't even been in it? And I took that to heart and I did. Yeah. So I spent, we didn't have a lot of photos back then or like any photos. So <laughs> I got a camera and I went and I'm and I just went, I was like, I'm going to take, you know, three days a week for the next X month, a couple of months and go to every one of our communities and walk through every home that I can walk through every community I can and take a bunch of photos, both for the website to use. And as well as just to get to know things, because you can't, I just don't know if I could have could market as well as I am if I didn't uh, understand it on that level. So,
0: so this is, this is me being snarky. I know I'm, 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 I'm getting older and, and aged, so I get to be a little more snarky. So, Sarah, what you're telling me is that you didn't just post in a group and say, hey, everyone, like a public open forum and say, hey, everyone, I'm new to home builder marketing. Could someone send me everything I need to know that you do? And then I could just take that and change out the name. Like, yeah. <laughs> again, it goes back Shoot. to the the amount of investment that you put, put, and also not everyone can do this. Yeah. But I do think the best type of learning is through observation and Mm self-teaching. And it sounds like your boss had a sense that you were able to do that. Not everyone can. Right. But there's, I think a lot of marketers sit around and they're like, well, they only let me do ads. And yet Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not really curious. It goes Mm -hmm. back to if I'm on a coaching call with someone, I'm like, Hey, what's happening in online sales world? What's happening in the CRM? And they're like, I don't go there. Like I just, well, then no Mm -hmm. wonder you're still stuck in your corner.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's super true. Super true. I think the best thing I, I did was get really involved with the sales team. I mean, it really became about, we had about 20, we had some inside and some outside sales agents and it was like, how can I help you? What are your problems? Mm-hmm. You know, Okay. The brochures, I'm going to go chain, redesign all of our brochures. Okay. I'm going to redesign all of our maps. Okay. I'm going to change the website around. And it just kind of each project just builds <laughs> on itself.
0: There's I a- don't know if either one <laughs> of you guys have seen Man. Ted Lasso yet. Um, it's on my list.
3: It's in my queue.
0: I started it. What's, what's amazing is there's little truce in there that beyond the comedic value, make it extremely relatable where if you've ever been in that situation, like you said, Sarah, Mm -hmm. salespeople say, you don't know anything. How many homes have you sold? What what have you done? Yeah. And you know, obviously all these players, it's, it's the story of an American football coach who goes over to the premier league and coaches soccer and the players are all like, you don't know anything. You don't know nothing. And he just fixed the water pressure in their showers. He's like, well, tell me what's wrong. What can, what can I fix? And mm-hmm. drop it in this box. And so then two days go by and they, they go in the showers and they're like, of course, it's comedy. They're blown over by the water pressure. It's so good. And they're like, holy crap. Like this guy actually fixed something. He's paying attention. And that's kind of where you have to start right, yeah. Sarah, is you just start fixing what you can't fix, what they're telling you they need. Mm-hmm. And then you can get to the point where you're helping them fix things that they don't know they, they need to fix.
3: Correct. And even this know your options page, I mean, this was a problem that the customers know it we're telling us was a problem that we knew was a problem. So it's, it's about fixing things more than it is really anything else. And that's marketing is about empathy. So figure out where what somebody needs before you can ever sell them anything. You have to understand where they're coming from, why they're coming from and what they need.
0: Yep. Okay. Beautiful. A couple quick things and then we got to wrap up. Okay. Unfortunately, because of time, but you know, Mr. Rutt, Ben Rutt, who was on the podcast yes? a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And I think that's another just key feature or thing to, to take note of is that the best people in our industry are people who are connected. And I, again, I, I'm not going to say any names, but there's people sometimes who will, and recently who have connected and they're like, I am the best in my state or city or whatever at new home marketing. And I would love to connect with you so that I can share what great things I'm doing. And it just strikes me as the, the wrong,
1: a lot of respect. eyes in there.
0: Well, there, one, there is a lot of eyes. Which I, I get that's just human nature too. So I, I try to pass that off, but it's like, so you think you're the best of the people, you know, but who else do you know? Like, right. you're not connected to anyone else. So right. that, I think just that idea that, you know, you know, Ben Rutt and uh, Ben knows Holly from CBH and, you know, just this. And again, that's part of the fun of, of doing this uh, and, and what other events and other Mm -hmm. things is, is helping to facilitate some of that, but it's just incredibly important.
3: Yeah. And I will say the benchmark group is what kind of helped me with that is it also gives you like, it's kind of like it being in high school or college where you have classmates that you want to, you know, you strive to do better, but you're all working towards the same thing. And that's I like it because it's open book and that's why I have no problem, you know, posting this in your guys' Facebook group and saying, do what you will with it because we all are stronger if we help our customers. I mean, that's what it's really for is this is for our customers. And if you build a home better for your customer, that just means more people aren't so scared of building homes. And that's what we need.
0: When I first started blogging as a builder about the position in the industry more widely. The only reason I was doing it is because I wanted one day as a 24 year old kid for Jeff Shore and Myers and other people to know who I was. That was it. Like, and so there's a little bit of what you're saying, Sarah, of like you want to impress Ben and the other people in that group as much like, Hey, look at, look what I did. Mm -hmm. Not, in a purely competitive way, but competitive, oh. like a brother-sister. We're all in the yes. same family, but we want to push each other to do better. Yeah. And I think that's well,
3: and Ben's great. I mean, we we made that feature gallery years ago. And I know you had Ben on for that feature gallery. And he had come to me, you know, three years ago when we made it and he goes, I love your feature. I want to make one of these. And I was like, Cool, go for it. And then and then he did it 10 times better than ours. And now we're like, crap, now we got to do a you know a yeah, feature gallery like Ben's. And uh-huh. and, th- and then they're working on some other cool projects. You know, it's that back and forth sharing. And Ben has been great, you know, even to our CEO. I mean, he, you know, says how great I am all the time, which helps to not you know, you right. can't tell people you're great. Other mm-hmm. people have to think you're great.
0: Well, you and can, he, but then, you know, we yeah, put, we put true. a certain sound effect on you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. Our last question. Mm-hmm. This particular content hub that you've just launched to the world, uh I have a feeling you're also a quasi perfectionist. So what is the one thing that you're you wish you could have pulled off that had to hit the cutting room floor in order to launch? Or that you already know you want yeah. to add <laughs>
1: what's already in and progress that you're changing.
3: Um, it's not so I will say I am a perfectionist, but I'm also really good at letting go. And I blame that on college art classes of <laughs> you can only go so far and then the grade's over and you have to move on. And so I was never one of those artists that like wanted to keep rehashing the same artwork. Like that mm-hmm. one's done. I got a grade and moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love it the way it is. There's supposed to be some icons that the developer is working on adding, but I'm actually onto the next thing is now we want to do that same thing with our homeowner orientation. So at the end, when you walk through your home and you're you're about to get the, Um, we walk through the, you know, construction manager walks through that home with them and shows them everything in their home for two hours, you know, two, three hours. And it's overwhelming and it's exhausting and you don't remember any of it we want to do the same thing, but with that. So that's the, you know, the day I posted it was when I turned around and sent it to the VP of construction was like, so here's, next. can we do (laughs) this for you now? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So it's, it's to the next thing. (laughs)
1: Very nice. So it's like the buyer's journey. They're starting here. They're at contract and design studio. And Mm -hmm. now it's the next step going through like, where's the next pain point for them. And Mm -hmm. that is a big, what do they even say? I forgot already. Like, you, just give me the keys, please.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they do. I mean, you don't want to spend three hours learning all the stuff, but the moment that, you know, the next day when you're sitting there, you're going go like, crap, how do I do what anything? How do I live here? I don't honestly know. Yeah. So that's the next part that we want to tackle.
0: All right. Well, this is officially the the blow up Sarah Titus's socials part of the program. So now that you know how amazing this this person is, uh, uh, definitely check the links in the show notes, go connect with her on LinkedIn. And anywhere else she feels willing to let us share with you of how to, how to find her. But Sarah, thanks so much for coming on. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what my twin sister does next.
3: Sounds great. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> Have a great week.
3: Thanks, you too.
0: And we're back. Let's wrap it up with the answers to last week's question of the week, uh, where we talked about, we're considering a potential format shift for the podcast. Uh, Andrew would like to object and add some clarification to the question. So currently, as it stands, the questions are this, we can keep everything exactly as it is. Don't change a thing. That would be option number one. Nothing changes. Number two, you get the same amount of total content in terms of minutes. We just would separate into two different episodes: the guests and the story time, news, question of the week segment. So, Andrew, you you, you try to clarify this in I'll your try terms because I Let me,
1: and because this is fun, we get to clarify with each other. Yeah. So yeah, we record once a week, every Thursday. Like the news story stuff, those will go out. Once a week, or whatever Mm -hmm. the release is. If there's a guest recording, those will go out when they happen, versus us trying to connect a Thursday recording to a guest. So there will be (laughs) this is is awesome. There'll be more episodes in total, but the time is still like the total time minutes is the same. But it might be like we might go from a hundred. What was today? Hundred and thirty-three. I already forgot. Hundred thirty-three to two hundred in say six months. Versus 133 to 212 months. Mm -hmm. So there'll be more episodes like on your your phone. You're like, oh, look, there's like one every five days or four days or something versus one every however many it is per day, per
0: week. So currently not very many of you like that idea, but but we're thinking maybe it's that you don't understand. So we're going to keep this poll open because right now by a landslide, everyone says don't change a thing, which... I'm not surprised by it only because I remember one episode I changed the intro because we thought maybe it was getting stale. And I had five people message me like, what are you doing? <laughs> They've had enough
2: change in their lives. Like yeah, that, that's what I took it as. So, change.
0: And again, I, this is also interesting. There's certain people who are always like, but your episodes are so dang long. Can't mm-hmm. you just like cut it out or something? And yet um, Apple is, podcast is the only one that lets me see this statistic. But the average episode is listened to over 95% of the entire episode. That's just crazy. And that they can track somehow on, That's on awesome. the Apple podcast app, the skips and everything else. So I think, you know, we're all, we all work remotely at Convert. We don't commute. So I listen to podcasts either when I sleep, uh, exercise or work, and I'm not listening to my own podcast when I work. So even for DYC employees, it's like, there's only so many, so much time I can listen to podcasts, but. The data that I can see tells me that you guys still would be <laughs> would be fine if we recorded one day a, a four hour uh Let's
1: do it. piece of craziness. So Builder Builder Show special. We'll just talk that's, for four hours.
0: That's still the question of the week. Uh, we'll continue on to, to TBD on this one, just because we want to make sure we can clarify exactly what it is you're voting on. The my only point in asking this question too was it would allow us right now and this is at some point in time, the market will turn. Hate to hate break to everyone. Some This won't go on forever. We will record an episode on Thursday. The market shifts dramatically on Monday, and you're going to hear last week's news and story time. So I'm just trying to find a way to get yeah. the entire process to speed up. And that either means we do uh, very little editing, but we want to make sure we put out a quality product and we got to bleep out all the Julie's cursing. She mm-hmm. she curses a lot and is so trying bad. to make sure that's we right. keep the G rating on the on the <laughs> podcast. Um, but just trying to get the news out in a more timely event. But I think the other part of that is hopefully you're on the on the Facebook group or following us on social, reading the blog post or getting our emails. And so maybe that's a better way for the breaking news alerts. Anyway, too much, too much. That was way yeah, too much time a, on the add meta. Some comments
1: of what you'd like. I think that will help too, like instead of like in addition to the votes, that'd be that'd be yeah. great. And, and if you and don't, Amanda added some nice comments. If you
0: don't have any comments, just just say you know how much you enjoy the podcast generally. That'd be nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, shoot, Andrew, we forgot one thing in the news, which we don't have a link to, but Google just sent out today. Speaking oh, yeah. of timely and sensitive, Google just sent out an email that might concern some marketers who are using uh, phrase match in their search setup when it comes to Correct. Google ads. Yep. So just so, define what, what is really happening what's not happening. Yep.
1: So if we will do a quick one-on-one lesson, the match type of a keyword connects what you're bidding on to the search term that's being typed in. Yep. So it's just a bridge and how loose can the actual word being searched be to your keyword you actually want to show up for. So phrase match in February, I think it's February 18th, will absorb what broad match modified had. So historically, phrase match, if you were to bid on a phrase match keyword of new homes, Tampa, it would have to appear in that order. New homes, Tampa. So new is first, homes is second, Tampa is third. After February 18th, it could also be Tampa new homes your ad will show up for. So I low- always
0: think about it in a translation uh- format. So sometimes when you take something from another language, you you reorder everything, right? Yep. You don't say... Mm-hmm. It's like Yoda speak. You don't say hot is my coffee, but in some languages that would be the exact word for word translation Mm -hmm. versus a phrase translation says, Hey, we can. Yeah. Anyway,
1: exactly. So if you, if you do have phrase match and you are super particular, I don't think anyone like this industry is not really affected, but I remember like in the past, like certain word orders, you could be like, well, the conversion rate is twice as high on this one, even though you think like it's the same word, what's the difference. Um, But I think most people bidding, if you're using phrase match, you'll just get more traffic essentially for for us. But new homes Tampa and then Tampa new homes to me is exactly the same. It's just how that person types.
0: And if you even need that at all right now or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, and it should be you could get have twice as many clicks. So that'd be the one thing to watch out if you're if you have a big budget available and it's not limited by budget, you'll then start to spend that budget that was not being spent. Yep.
2: For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out DoYouConvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online.
0: Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.
2: See ya! Bye.